Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. This series, more than uh, many others that we've had here at Collective, I've gotten more and more feedback from folks uh, throughout this series, good feedback, encouraging stuff. And, you know, being a difference maker is not easy. Uh, Being a difference maker takes courage. Uh, Being a difference maker takes obedience. Being a difference maker means being willing to yield to the Holy Spirit and let Him use you however He wants and however He sees fit. And in doing that, being a difference maker, man, it's really challenging at times. It can be discouraging because as you yield to the leading of God and seek to be a difference maker, those around you that maybe don't want to yield to that, they get convicted by it. And then they can criticize you, mock you, say things like, man, why are are you so sold out to the Lord? Like, Why would you do that? Just chill out a little bit. Just go with the flow. Church, Jesus never called us to go with the flow. So I, w- I want to share something with you because, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this, but sometimes like if you're really living for Jesus, there are moments where, that when you look at the world around you, you may think, why bother? And the pressures of this world can make you think, man, like, you know, are we even making a difference? When I get messages like the one I'm about to read you, it's what keeps me going. Let me read this to you. I got this yesterday at 3.20 p.m., and man, I needed this. This came through my Facebook Messenger app, and the Lord led me to it, really, because I don't get on Facebook Messenger on Saturdays. I try to stay away from that stuff on Saturdays as much as possible. This person said, I hope you and the family are having a great Saturday. She said, I finished the I Will book. We've been going through a book here as a church called I Will uh, that's coincided with this message series. She says, I finished the I Will book, and I'm feeling like God has called me to reach out to you right this second instead of waiting until tomorrow in service. She says, I want to get more involved, and I want to start serving. I just don't know what that looks like for me. She goes on here. She goes on here to say, I still consider myself a new Christian. I wasn't brought up in the church, but I asked Jesus into my heart July of 2017 and started studying the Word and joining in on Bible studies, trying to learn as much as I could and making prayer part of my daily routine, and it has forever changed my life. She said, I'm now interested in learning whatever steps it takes to to be baptized. I'm never this open or vulnerable about myself, but Collective Church has given me the opportunities that I need to start saying, I will. She says, I'm starting with home group this Sunday. And she says, thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. So, like, if you ever wonder, is our church making a difference? We're making a difference. Little bit at a time, we're making a difference and we're putting a dent in things. Don't take that for granted, church, especially those of you that have been with us from the beginning. God's moving, and I'm thankful for it. So we've been in this series called Difference Maker, and it's really been inspired by the scriptures, obviously, but a burden that I have and have had for years in ministry. God's been gracious as of this summer to give me 16 years in ministry. Uh, been preaching for 16 years, leading out in different ministries for 16 years, and one of the common themes I see in people's lives, whether it's been in student ministry, small group ministry, missions, 
church planting, being a lead pastor, working with staff, whatever it might be, one of the common things I've seen is that people have a desire to make a difference. Uh, There is a desire built within each and every one of us to live on purpose. But what happens oftentimes is we get lured into a rut. We get lured into just going through the motions, just like the daily grind, as some call it. And we get lured into just going to work, clocking in, clocking out, uh, making a paycheck, you know, paying the bills, washing the dishes, putting the kids to sleep. And hey, like all that's important stuff. Don't get me wrong. But if we're not careful, we can get in this rut with it and lose sight of what the purpose of it all is really about. And the purpose of it all is Jesus. And to make a difference for his namesake through all of that. I believe this. And I know this with all my heart because, listen, folks, our creator, he has made you and I to be difference makers. Look at this scripture with me that Paul said to the church at Uh, Colossae. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. The Bible says here that for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Let me pause right there. That whole stuff about visible and invisible and thrones or dominions and rulers and authorities, we're starting a new series next Sunday in Ephesians chapter 6 called Flesh and Blood about how you and I, we really don't battle with flesh and blood, but we battle with the invisible, the dominions and rulers and authorities in the dark world. We'll jump into that more next week. But it says here, this is the part I really want you to see. All things were created through Christ and for Christ. You were created through Christ and you were created for Christ. You exist for him. That is your sole purpose here on earth is Jesus. And Jesus has wired you to make a difference. Job, uh, one of the oldest, in fact, the oldest book in the Bible, Job, in Job chapter 10, verse 8, Job made this observation and he expressed it to God. He said, Lord, your hands fashioned me. Your hands made me. Folks, I want you to realize before we wrap up this series today that you were made for a mission. Jesus made you for a mission. And that mission is his mission, to go into all the world telling people about him, serving people for him, baptizing folks in his name, and making disciples of all nations. We exist for him. I like to say it this way, that not only were we made for a mission, but we were saved to serve. Like we're made for a mission, and then when Jesus gets a hold of us and begins to go to work in our hearts and in our souls, he saves us to serve. We don't serve to be saved. We, we serve because we have been saved. And we serve because he is saving us. And we serve because he's going to carry us all the way through into eternity where we will live with him and worship him forever. In the meantime, you and I as a church, as believers in Christ, we are not called to be consumers. We are called to be contributors. And what's happened a lot of times today in our culture and in our churches is we've let the, the culture of our nation and the world around us seep into the church. And I don't think Jesus is pleased with it. And what has seeped in is this consumer mentality in our nation 
that everything exists for us and we're gonna look for the best product out there. And once we find what we feel like is the best product for our family, then we may get involved with that, but maybe for another six months or a year, we're just gonna consume. Jesus never called you to be a consumer. He didn't make you to be a consumer. He didn't save you to be a consumer. He has called you to contribute. So if you're sitting on the sidelines, get off of them and get in the game of the kingdom of God and put your gifts to work and let Jesus work through you to make a difference. Somebody believes in that today. Somebody in the room has the Holy Spirit in them today. I don't know about the rest of you. Maybe we're starting from ground zero still and I don't even realize it. Listen, he molded you and he shaped you for the common good of his church body. That's what we're here for. That's what we're gifted for. The common good of the church. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And I know I've said it every week through the series, but somebody's here for the first time today and they need to get this. God has uniquely shaped you to make a difference. He has uniquely shaped you to make a difference. In fact, uh, he was molding you to make a difference before you were born. Long before you were born, he was molding you to make a difference. What's a difference maker? Uh, I don't want us to forget this as we close this series out. A difference maker, we have defined it as this. A difference maker is one who seeks to understand his or her shape to fulfill their role in God's mission and ministry. Write that down. A difference maker is one who seeks to understand his or her shape to fulfill their role in God's mission and ministry. Now, what does that stand for? What does shape stand for? What is ministry? What is mission? Let's talk about this real quick, just once again, as we bring this series to a close today. Shape is an acronym that stands for the things that God has given you to make a difference. The S stands for spiritual gifts. These are the things that the Holy Spirit has supernaturally given you upon your salvation. When you accepted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life, and in that moment, he supernaturally imparted spiritual gifts to you. These are not to be confused with natural talents or abilities. By the way, your natural talents and abilities have been given to you to make a difference. But your spiritual gifts are things that are only given by the Spirit and can only be manifested by the Spirit and can only be accessed by the Spirit. Then there's your heart. These are the things that you naturally just love to do. God wants to use the things within your heart to guide you to make a difference when your heart is in step with him. Then there's your abilities. These are your natural talents and skills. Your personality. I want to encourage you to often ask yourself, where does my personality best suit me to serve the Lord and to make a difference? Then there's your experiences. And I always like to elaborate on this a little bit. God doesn't want to waste any of your experiences. The good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. The Bible tells us that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So whatever is in your life, whatever is in the past, whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever may be in the future, don't let it go to waste. God wants to use your experiences to make a difference, and you have a story to tell. Whether you have grown up in church and have a squeaky clean testimony, or 
You've got one of those radical stories where you were caught up in drugs and alcohol and, and any other numerous things here on earth, and Jesus got a hold of you and cleaned it up. Listen, listen, it doesn't matter. God wants to take your experiences and use them for his glory. And no testimony is greater than the other. In fact, sometimes Christians are guilty of saying, man, that person's testimony, it's powerful. Jesus didn't draw me out of drugs. He didn't get me clean like that. Hey, the best testimony is a boring testimony. But all testimonies lead back to Jesus. And that's really what it's all about. Mission is our service to unbelievers. And by the way, some of us are more gifted in this area than others, but whether you're gifted in it or not, we are all called to join Jesus on mission. We're all called to that. Is it a general assignment that we've all been given? We've all been called to ministry too. This is our service to the church, to believers. A lot of times people look at guys like me or, or gals like Marianne or other people on church staffs and they say, you're called to ministry. No, we are all called to ministry. I just happen to be fulfilling my specific assignment that's been given through me to me through my general assignment of joining Jesus on mission and ministry. So each week throughout the series, I've introduced you to a different difference maker. And today I want to introduce you to our final one that we're going to talk to for just a moment. He, he and his family are our international missionaries that are trying to get to Portugal to plant a church. So we're going to tell you a little bit more about that. Josh Ball, come on up, buddy. Welcome, Josh. Josh, I was doing the math last night. We've known each other for five and a half years now. Can you believe that? And I was hearing stories about you for two years before I ever met you. It's kind of scary. It is scary. <laughs> so we decided, you know, me and my family moved down here to Saline County. You and I stayed in touch. And for a year, you were asking me, hey, would y'all just consider picking us up as your missionaries to Portugal? And I think you could tell the church, like, I didn't rush that, did I? No. Like, even though I knew you, we'd been good friends for a while. We prayed about that and really made sure we took the, the right steps. But you are our missionary to Portugal. And I believe within a two, three years, however as God leads, we're going to be sending teams to Portugal to love on your family while you're there and to help you minister in the name of Jesus while you're there. But share with us, how did God use your shape to help you discover that you and Sarah and the boys needed to go to Portugal to plant a church? I mean, who does that? So share that with the church. Yeah, it, it all started through, through prayer. Um, if, if there's ever been a theme throughout uh, my walk with God, it's always been prayer. Uh, the, the deeper I prayed, the harder I prayed, the more God was willing to use me. Um, and, you know, me and Sarah had talked about different um, uh, ways to be involved in ministry, and, and um, everything I had, had felt led to do, it always seemed like it would, it would be something that would draw me away from this area. Um, and Sarah just has a very tight-knit family, and um, it's just not something that I, I really had, not that I dislike my family, but it just we weren't that tight. Hers was tight. Um, and so um, it, this went on for years, um, and we would have just discussions. It wouldn't be fights or anything like that, but there would be tension uh, in our relationship. <laughs> you know, you can just imagine, like, hey, I want us to go somewhere. And, um, and so, you know, she obviously wanted to stay, and... Um, I remember I was at uh, my barbershop and, and just having um, a pretty frustrated conversation with the Lord that day. Um, and I just asked him to take the desire away from me. If I couldn't 
if I couldn't do it, take that desire away. And um, I don't know what made me pray the last part other than just maybe the, the movement of the Holy Spirit, but I just said, or change Sarah's heart. And um, that day, as I'm just kind of daydreaming what it would look like to do ministry in other other countries or a city, I just happened to be in Europe on the map. And, and um, I remember writing down Europe on, on um, my journal. And um, I put, um, take that desire away. I wrote, uh, or change Sarah's heart. And I wrote Europe question mark, missions question mark. And I prayed that prayer for two days. And, um, you know, I hadn't brought up missions or ministry in about probably almost a year at this point. Um, and that night, after two days of praying that, she uh, she just looked up at him on the couch and just says, what do you think about moving to Europe? Um, random. Okay, you know, <laughs> let's, let's talk about it, you know. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, at that point, I just knew the Lord was obviously doing something, and I just mm-hmm. explained to her what, what had transpired. And um, so let's just go have a meeting with our missions pastor and just see where it goes from there. Yep. So. So you have been, you've had to raise money from 0% to 100% uh, in order to, to just be released to go over there. Yeah. You're at 91%. Praise the Lord. And your goal is to leave in January. That's what you're praying for, that God would yes. allow you guys to head on out of here in January. We want that for you too. Um, you've been raising money through a very difficult season. There's been this thing going on like a pandemic or yeah, something. It's, it's and, strange to do. And so you've been raising money through that. And God's been providing for you, uh, not just through collective, but through other churches. And so share a little bit with them about what you lack in getting over there. Because I've said to some people that Josh is at 91%. He needs nine more percent to get there. And they're like, well, what is the actual 9%? Be bold. I know you nervous. That's ask about money sometimes. I want you to be bold this morning. Tell them what you need. Yeah. Um, I'll just, you know, the first part of that, raising money through a pandemic. How do you, you know, people are losing their jobs. Um, we started three weeks before the pandemic hit, and they shut everything down. Um, we had two goals we had to, had to reach. It was a monthly goal, um, and then we had a, a one-time goal that basically it's just a big number that, that ships us over there, gets us there. It was 50500 and they slid it across the table and showed me that, and I just said, I'll try. Um, and then a pandemic hits. You know, how, do you, how do you do that? Um, our very first gift we received um, was $7,000 anonymous gift. Um, unasked. I, I mean, I, who, who does it? I, you know, other than the Lord just moving. Um, and I can say right now that there is 137% of that needed 50,500 in there. So we have an overage that will be, that can be used to, to help plant when we're there. Um, and awesome. so I, I just say that to you know, praise the Lord. Um, but as far as what we need left, it's, it's $800 in monthly contributors. Okay. Um, I break it down. It's you know, if, say if somebody gives a hundred dollars a month, we need eight eight of those, um, sixteen fifty dollar a month. You know, so mm-hmm. breaking it down just like that. Well, I'm going to challenge our church here in a little bit to go and see you in the hallway yeah. after church, and I'm praying that somebody in here helps you get a little closer to a hundred percent, and maybe even all the way there. Before I let you get the stage, though, I think there could be somebody in the room today. I have no idea who that may be called to be a difference maker in Portugal with you. Mm. And if they were, we would celebrate that, and we would send them out of here to be a difference maker with you guys in Portugal. You have, I think, two positions that you've mentioned to me in particular maybe that y'all need help with over there. Share a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) you go there, and it's hard to describe 
the need. I mean, there's need everywhere. There's need here in Sling County. There's need, you know, in Arkansas. Um, but I, I went there, and everywhere, north, south, east, and west of that city, there was nothing. There was no churches there as we know it like this. Um, there was church buildings that were like a Catholic church that was either abandoned or it was a um, tattoo parlor, a bar, library, anything other than to get to know the Lord. And so I remember laying in my bed that night, and I remember counting the churches that I pass uh, from my house to I get to uh, get to town. I remember counting nine churches, and so I just say all to say that the need is massive. Um, but this has kind of been what God just keeps bringing my my mind to my mind that Christ will be exalted among the nations. It's it's guaranteed. But are we going to cooperate with God to make it happen? Hmm. How do we do that? One, we pray. We, we don't pray small prayers. We pray prayers that only God can make happen. Two, we give. And that's been hard for me. I haven't asked for anything from, you know, I can remember thinking back. You know, when I asked my dad for money or my mom for money, I mean, I was, you know, still a teenager. You know, I mean, I'm just very prideful about it. And so, I mean, that's been a season that's hard. Um, but it's humbling and it's good. You know, you get to see God do, you know, you get to see joyful givers, people that, you know, somewhere or another, it blesses them more than it blesses me. And three, we go. The need is massive. We have... Um, we have several positions, but mainly um, they need a, uh, a school administrator for our international school, and we need school teachers. Um, and you say, I'm not going. I don't even know Portuguese. I'm not going to go over there and teach Portuguese. <laughs> the great thing is it's an English-speaking school. You don't even need to learn. You know, you could learn some of it, obviously, but um, you can go there and you can teach in English and do the same thing. You know, if you're a teacher, you can do the same thing there as you do here. And um, they have international kids from all over the area that, that don't know Jesus that you get to serve right there day to day. So Awesome. Yeah. Hey, I'm praying maybe someone from Collective comes to you or to me or somebody here and says, hey, I think maybe God's stirring our heart to go to Portugal. I would love that. So, hey, let's thank Josh for being on stage with us today. We're going um, to bring you and Sarah back down here in a little bit uh, to pray over you guys. And just so everybody knows, Josh gave me his permission to do that. Okay, some people are like, yeah, I just can't believe you ask people randomly to come up there and have the church pray over them. I always get permission. Okay, so we're going to bring you guys up here and pray with you all in a little bit. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. I love you, man. So one of the things I appreciate about Josh and Sarah is that one of the ways and one of the reasons why God has led them to Portugal is their yes has been on the table. Their yes has been on the table. You may wonder, what do you mean by that? One of my mentors in ministry for about eight years straight now, uh, Larry Barker, been a mentor to me, a coach to me, pastor to me. Back in 2013, he asked me that question, is your yes on the table? And I looked at him kind of puzzled, and I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, what I mean by that is, are you totally surrendered to God? He said, are you willing to go wherever God would lead you to go? Are you willing to give whatever God might lead you to give? 
Are you willing to serve wherever God might tell you to serve? Is your yes on the table? To this day, about twice a year, Larry will still ask me that question. And he'll say to me, man, I know you're at a church you love. I know you love the people. I know you love where you live. But is your yes still on the table? Will you still let God move you wherever he wants to move you, regardless of how much you love what you do and where you are? Josh and Sarah are going to Portugal because their yes was on the table. The question I want to ask you today, church, is that when it comes to being a difference maker, when it comes to using your gifts, when it comes to joining God's mission and ministry and tapping into the shape that God has given you, is your yes on the table? Is your yes on the table? I want you to look at what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 tells us. It tells us here that each, that's you and I, that we have each received a gift and that we are to use it to serve one another, to be difference makers as good stewards of God's varied grace. You're gifted. God has made you for more. He has supernaturally given you a spiritual gift or gifts to make a difference in the world, in and through his church, just like Josh and Sarah Ball are doing. And folks, here's what I want you to realize today. God has made you for more than just going through life. He's made you for more than just the daily grind. He has made you to live on purpose. But in order for you to fulfill that calling and to walk in that purpose and to walk in the gifting that he has given you, your yes has to be on the table. I really like the way the New Living Translation words, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. I love that. God loves variety. He uses all kinds of personalities and backgrounds and talents and giftings to accomplish his purposes here on earth. And so what I want to do for about the next 10 minutes or so is share with you a few ways how you can put your yes on the table. A few ways how you can put your yes on the table when it comes to the Lord. These are also ways that you can measure whether or not your yes is on the table. And the first way is this, if you're taking notes, uncover your gifts. Uncover your gifts. Anybody in here in the room today, like are you one of those people that are just crazy about Christmas decor? Anybody in here like that? There, there are some folks in here like that. I know it. I've seen your Facebook feed a year ago. I know who you are, all right? You've already been at Hobby Lobby checking it all out. You're not giving Halloween and Thanksgiving its due. You're just jumping on to Christmas. Did you know that we are, as of today, we're like 83 or 84 days away from actual Christmas Day? It's getting close. It's getting close. Here's the deal. In about a month, maybe a month for some of you, but two months for some of the rest of us, our homes will be decorated with Christmas decor. They will be lit with lights, Some of you will have those Christmas train sets up around your house that go through the fake snow. And and some of you will have multiple Christmas trees up. But there will be the main tree. And under that main tree, there will be Christmas gifts, beautifully wrapped. And some of you in the room today, you tape them and tape them and tape them to where the recipient can't even get into the gift once it's time to open it. 
And here's the deal. The thing about these gifts, though, they do no good if the recipient doesn't eventually unwrap them and receive them and enjoy them. Imagine parents in the room today, whether you're a grandparent, whether you have teenagers or really little ones in the house. Imagine that you've done all the Christmas shopping, you've put in all the work, and you've wrapped all the gifts, and you've put them under the tree, and you're so excited for them to get their gift. And you're so excited for them to open it. And you're so excited for them to be able to have the joy of receiving it. And then you're excited to see them be able to use their gift. And what if the time came, and they looked at you, and they said, Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, you know what? I think I'd just rather bypass the gift. I think I'd rather not. You know, let, let's just eat instead. Imagine that. You know what? That's what a lot of Christians do with God. We have this good father in heaven, this perfect father where in all of his ways he is good. And he has supernaturally given us gifts through his Holy Spirit. And a lot of times what we choose to do as believers is go, hey, you know what? I'd rather not uncover the gift. I would rather just not use it. I'd rather not know. And I believe what that does is it breaks the Father's heart. It quenches his Holy Spirit. And what God does is he's going, wait a minute. No, I've, I've supernaturally like given you this gift through the salvation of my son and the equipping of my Holy Spirit, and you're choosing not to unwrap it, and you're choosing not to uncover it. I've given it to you for my joy. I've given it to you for your joy so that you can serve my purposes here on earth instead of your purposes, but you're choosing to just not open the gift. What do you think that does to the Father? If our yes is really going to be on the table, we have to uncover our gifts. Look at what uh, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Paul told Timothy, do not neglect the gift that you have. I wonder how many Christians today are neglecting the gift that they have. They've been gifted. They've got the gift of shepherding, the gift of leadership, the gift of mercy, the gift of giving, uh, the gift of exhortation, and the list could go on. But they're choosing to not use their gift, and as a result, they're neglecting it. Imagine the difference we could make in Saline County. Imagine the difference we could make in Portugal. Imagine the difference we could make with the call. Imagine the difference we could make if everybody stopped neglecting their gift and just put their yes on the table. So how do you discover your gifts? Well, throughout this series, we've made a way for you to discover your gifts. You'll see on each side of me here on the stage, there's these QR codes. We're here during the decision time, prayer time here in a minute. You can come and with your mobile device, scan that QR code and it'll take you to a spiritual survey test where you can discover your gifts. And so you want to examine your gifts. And after you examine your gifts, you want to evaluate them. Then you want to experiment with them. We've made several ways here at Collective where you can uncover your gifts and begin to use them for the glory of God. We do this through what we call a first serve. In other words, where you can try out your gifting in a ministry and see where you enjoy serving the Lord and making a difference. I want to encourage you after church today to swing by the Connection Center and grab one of these first serve cards and let one of our volunteers out there, Matt Gibson, walk you through how you can get involved and use your gifts here at Collective Church. So you want to uncover your gifts. The second thing I want to point out to you this morning is not only are you going to uncover your gifts, 
but you're going to commit your gifts to Jesus. See, Jesus gave you the gifts, but he gave them to you for his glory. He didn't give you the gifts for your preferences. He gave them to you for his purposes. And so while you receive the gift, you commit it back to Jesus. I want you to look at this passage with me. Romans chapter 6 verse 13 says here, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead. But now through Christ, you have new life. Amen? So so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. See, what some folks do is they uncover their gift, they discover it, they examine it, they evaluate it, and they begin to use it. But instead of committing it to Jesus, they use it for their gain. And they use it to get leverage. If you've spent any amount of time in church at all over the years, you've probably seen a little bit of this. They discover their gifting, they serve in ministry, but their heart and their motive are in the wrong place. They say, you know what, if I serve here long enough and commit my time long enough, then maybe I can have more say. If I use my gift enough in this ministry, then maybe I can have my way. Uh, Maybe I can use leverage so I can have my preferences met. Listen, church, that's not what it's about. You're not gifted for your preferences. I can't say it enough. You have not been blessed by the Lord with natural talents and abilities so that you can have your way in his church. Listen, I am the lead church planner here. Me and my family answered the call to come down here with 41, 43 other people to start this church. Listen, I don't always get my way. You know why that is? I'm not the head of the church. Jesus is. That's what Ephesians says, that Jesus is the head of the church and we are the body. And guess what? The head makes the call. It's his church. It exists for his glory, for his honor, and for his purposes. So when you uh, uh, discover your gifts and uncover your gifts, remember, you need to commit those to Jesus. It ain't all about you. It's about him. Third thing this morning I want you to to, to see this morning is that if if your yes is going to be on the table, you've got to strengthen your gifts. You've got to strengthen your gifts. You commit them to Jesus, you uncover them, but then you've got to strengthen them. See, gifts are like muscles. You don't grow in them unless you stretch them and use them. And the more you use your gift, the greater your gift becomes. And the more Jesus begins to highlight your gift and use your gift for his namesake. This past year, a year ago in August, me and Lauren started doing these workouts. They're kind of, I think, I believe like it's called CrossFit. Y'all ever heard of CrossFit? We both kind of got involved in this CrossFit type stuff. Man, I love it. Like, I am into it. Lauren's into it. We rarely ever miss. I enjoy it. Something about the environment with all the people, the accountability, encouraging one another, the high energy. Man, I made up with it. I enjoy it. I rarely miss a day. I love it. But for a year now, I've been making observations about CrossFit and the church. There's lots of things about CrossFit that the church should learn from. 
And not only should the church learn from, but there's lots of things about CrossFit that are actually in the Bible first. You may say, what do you mean by that? People at CrossFit hold each other accountable. I mean, like you miss a day, two days, maybe three, people, they start breathing down your neck. Like, where have you been? Like, Luke knows. Luke down here, he knows. Folks are like, where have you been? We've been missing you. Hey, dude, we did 200 burpees today. It was a blast. Where were you? People get into this stuff, and guess what? When they hold you accountable or you hold them accountable, they're like, oh, man, thanks for reaching out to me. I'm so glad you did, man. I will be back tomorrow. Won't miss again. Love it. I'll be there. And then, yeah, it didn't work with Luke. <laughs> Luke's comfortable in his own skin, baby. Here, but here's the thing. Watch this. And, and CrossFit gyms, like, they're welcoming. So welcoming. There's this one in Texas when me and Lauren go down to visit family. It's got the coolest name ever. It's called Swashbuckle. And, like, anytime we go, they're so welcoming. Like, they're glad to have us there. Where are you from? We're from Little Rock area. Where do you do CrossFit up there? Oh, I've never heard of that box. I mean, there's these terms too. And, but here, here's where I'm going with this. The church needs to be welcoming like CrossFit gyms are. Like when people come, they should be like, man, I want to come back. I want to be a part of what those people got going on. But here's what else happens. If you try to hold people accountable in the church, like CrossFit gyms hold each other accountable, people get all weird about it. People balk at you a little bit, like, man, why are you judging me? We had to go to the ball game. We were on a trip, had vacation, man, don't worry about it. Man, we, come on, people, we need to get serious about spiritual things in the Lord's church that we're serious about in worldly things. This ain't nothing new. Look at what the Bible says here. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Paul said, physical training is good. Physical training is good. Why is it good? Because if you can be in shape and feel good, then you can use your body for the Lord's purposes and serve with good energy and serve with joy. But he goes on to here, on here to say, but training for godliness is much better. Some of you folks, yeah, Luke said that's why I quit. <laughs> Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Amen. Folks, we need more accountability. We need, we need environments like a CrossFit gym where people are like, man, I want to come back. We need to stop worrying about overstepping our, our lines and all that and worrying about hurting people's feelings. Man, you can lovingly hold people accountable and say, man, we love you. Where you been? We love having you here. Hey, folks, we, we got to get back to the things that the scriptures tell us to do. And we got to do it without being ashamed. We got to do it with courage and with boldness. We got to strengthen our gifts just like we strengthen other areas of our lives. Fourth and final thing if you're going to uncover your gifts, then you got to deploy your gifts. Once you uncover your gifts and commit them to Jesus and strengthen them, you deploy them. You send them out. The church is not a country club. It's not a country club. It's not a place where we all gather to necessarily have fun and hoard all the resources to ourselves. No. The church is more like a battleship. 
where we are sent on mission by the commander himself, Jesus Christ. Where we all take our post on the ship, where we serve according to our giftings, and we are sent out deployed by Jesus. We can live deployed here using our gifts on Sunday mornings to minister to believers and joining God's mission as we serve unbelievers. But folks, we must take it outside of these four walls. It may begin here, but it doesn't stop here. Folks, Jesus has made you for a mission in your workplace. He has made you for a mission at the school of your children at the gym that you work out at, at the ball fields, anywhere you go, Jesus has called you to go on mission there. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says this, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Use your gifts, folks. When you use your gifts, you'll make a difference. When you use your gifts, you will be able to serve and thrive with joy. I love what author and pastor, minister Shane Pruitt said. And I want to close with this quote, and Marianne's going to make her way to the stage, and we're going to go into a time of prayer. And I want to close out the series with this quote. He says, you're created for Jesus. Your mind was created to think about how awesome Jesus is. Your heart was created to love Jesus. Your hands were created to serve others in the name of Jesus. Your feet were created to follow Jesus. Your mouth was created to tell others about Jesus. You exist for him. You were made for his purposes. All things were created through him and for him. As Job said, his hands fashioned you and made you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And you are not supposed to just drift through life. God has saved you so that you might serve him. He has made you for mission. He has called you to contribute. He has gifted you for his glory. But is your yes on the table? Is your yes on the table? Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.